0: Good morning liberty well what is going on all of our liberty loving friends this is another fantastic episode of the good morning liberty podcast i'm one of the hosts here charles chuck thompson with me as always the one who knows just about everything there is to know mr nick paul thurston how's it going today man
1: it's going pretty great, Charlie. Thank you for finally getting my name correct. I appreciate that. My name is Nick Thurston, and so, it'd be kind of funny if that's what yeah. I go by now, and yeah. then if you Li- and then Lions of Liberty started finally using, starts giving yeah. <laughs> saying Nate. If you haven't
0: heard when Lions of Liberty uh, mentions us on their show, great show, by the way, you should go check it out, Lions of Liberty. Uh, they always mention Nate as Nick, and so I thought it would just be nice to introduce you as Nick, since... Everyone else over there,
1: and since they've officially started calling me Nate now, yeah, it's I'm going to officially go by Nick. Just and we to, know just some to of our some up. of
0: our Patreon supporters or some of their Patreon supporters. You know, we scratch each other's heads or something backs. Yeah, what do you call it?
1: And the funny thing we're about some- my back. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> sorry,
0: um, no, it's we have a great Liberty community between all, all kinds of people. Like we're we're Ugh. actually patrons of Lines of Liberty, and and they're. Uh, you guys are patrons of theirs and ours, and it's one big Liberty circle.
1: I would say Lions of Liberty puts the most effort into their Patreon of, out of anyone that I have seen so far. And, and listen, I'm not saying to not be members of ours, because we do go live every day, and people can hang out live with us every single day, but they are constantly doing stuff on there. I don't know how they do it, to making tell you the you, truth. Making you feel bad? They they do make me feel bad. <laughs> they do, but badly, not but badly. not bad enough.
0: Sorry, badly. They make me feel badly. I just want to make sure we do that right for, for your mom.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't want to do it badly. You're <laughs> exactly. right. Okay, so Charlie, I have a question for you. What do you do? That's good. I have answers. Okay. What do you do when someone who's potentially responsible for numerous deaths and unapologetically responsible for numerous deaths and w- when they die, are you obligated in some, in, in some weird fashion to say nice things about them? Or should you not say anything if you don't have anything nice to say at all? Or should you point it out when they die? I don't know. What do you do?
0: I, I think pointing out people's um, faults is fine. I, I think death is sad. Mm-hmm. I think that's always the case um, because I believe that when people are alive, you can still sway them to the truth. Yeah. And so now that, now that this person that we're about to talk about is dead, it's going to be hard to convince them. It,
1: it, that's true yeah, he, he listened to his last episode yesterday. You know. right. I tell you what that one hit different <laughs> okay <Sure did. laughs> okay so donald rumsfeld passed away at uh i don't remember his age but i don't know super do we old. sing
0: do we sing hitler's praises no i and, know i'm getting in trouble because i'm a mince nazi yeah and now at, i lost the argument you lost
1: the argument already do we praise well
0: some people praise stalin for his death
1: now listen rumsfeld was no hitler or stalin okay that that's as the, far I, as death counts right. he never he didn't live long enough <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in charge long enough to make it to those numbers but i do think it's important as people who uh who focus on liberty who love liberty to point out when someone who does terrible tyrannical things like waging war when maybe it didn't need to be waged Mm -hmm. uh when they do things like that that uh, you don't exactly have to be nice when the person dies i just i don't think so and it's not as if he was just a figurehead that put bad ideas out there and his followers went out there and did something bad like for instance if someone that we don't like who's on the left dies well you know communism and socialism has killed killed a lot of people Mm -hmm. okay but if someone who spews all of this communist socialist stuff but they never were in a position of power to implement any of these disastrous deadly things you know do you have to treat them like they were a murderous person when they died not really because they never had any power and they never actually implemented anything that, that killed those people, I would say. And so that'd be a little bit different. So like, you know, if, if anyone super old that we talk about all the time ends up dying, maybe you don't have to be that helpful or hurtful and that, that terrible when they die. But anyway you, like you're gonna be you're not gonna be mean when Bernie Sanders dies? <laughs> I was trying not to actually talk about who was in my mind, <laughs> but I guess everyone probably knows. <laughs> Um, I don't know.
0: I mean, those people empowered those people that are in power. Yeah,
1: he is. He is in power, I guess. And he does get some say so. I mean, he's 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 controlling the budget, you know, or whatever the heck his job is now. But anyway, Rumsfeld. Okay. Oh, so a different Donald. So the article now, this is going to cover some about Rumsfeld and then some from the blaze. Thanks, Glenn, where they were very upset because another news outlet posted just a scathing op-ed about. Uh, about Donald Rumsfeld, right after he had died. And they are very upset about this. And so they're gonna tell you about that, why this was bad.
0: That person had that one in the queue.
1: <laughs> yeah, they had it ready. They had written this beforehand. Like, oh, who's gonna
0: die soon? <laughs> oh, probably Rumsfeld, let me write a piece about this.
1: <laughs> let me write articles about everyone super old to have ready <laughs> when they die. The Daily Beast writer trashes Rumsfeld hours after his death. And this is what got me thinking. like, okay, is it right to do this? Eh, sometimes. Is it wrong? I don't know if it's right, but I know it's not wrong. (laughs) Okay, in a scathing op-ed published Wednesday, only hours after Donald Rumsfeld's passing, Daily Beast mounted a full-on assault of the late defense secretary's legacy, instructing readers not to mourn him but his victims. I feel like I don't know. I'm. It's sounding pretty good to me so far. Rumsfeld, the towering and respected figure in American politics who twice served as defense secretary, died Wednesday afternoon surrounded by his family and the ghosts of all the people he had killed at the age of 88. That part wasn't in there. I just added that in. But according to Ackerman, who's the writer for the Daily Beast, his passing doesn't amount to tragedy. Quote from Ackerman, the only thing tragic about the death of Donald Rumsfeld is that it didn't occur in an Iraqi prison. It's <laughs> a good line. It's <laughs> not, mean, ba- not, not bad. I'm not bad yet. Yet that was foreordained considering how throughout his life inside the precincts of American national security, Rumsfeld escaped the consequences of decisions he made that ensured a violent, frightening end for hundreds of thousands of people. And inside of that article, inside of that article, they talked about some of the statistics here. So I did pull some of what they mentioned in that article. They said in 2018, Brown University put together something that serves as the basis for the estimate on just how many people you might be... Partially responsible for. According to Brown, the political science department chair, the Afghanistan war uh, to that point in 2018 claimed about 147,000 lives to include 38,480 civilians, 58,000 Afghan soldiers and police, which is about as many American troops died in Vietnam, and 2,400 U.S. service members. That was just Iraq. Here's another. That was
0: Afghanistan. Afghanistan, sorry. Which I am not as upset about Afghanistan as I would Iraq because we did Osama bin Laden was in ended up being in Pakistan. Yeah. Right? He was in Afghanistan.
1: I'm not as so, upset about the, like the first few months of, of, right. of Afghanistan. Yeah. Like the Go, next 19 going years, to get,
0: going to get Osama. But I mean, you could also argue that we, I don't want to blame ourselves. Mm, you're going
1: to blame America. You huh? could
0: argue that nine 11 was, uh, was a consequence of some blowback potentially. <laughs> And so that kind of
1: stuff will get you nowhere. And and, <laughs> and
0: you could also argue that Al Qaeda used American weapons and dollars mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to fund some of their things that they were doing. So, but, but if you're going to go to war, I think that that is a, that would be a justifiable cause. If someone attacked you on your soil, um, then you can defend yourself and, and, and get the person responsible. Yeah. Which, which we believe, or they told us, it was Osama bin Laden and al- al-Qaeda.
1: So terrorist, man. Here, here's something I didn't know about. In December 2001, under attack in Kandahar, the Taliban sought to broker a surrender. In 2001, they tried to broker a surrender. When acceptable to the U.S.-installed Afghan leader, Hamid Karzai, at the Pentagon, Donald Rumsfeld refused. He said, I do not think there will be a negotiated end to the situation that's unacceptable to the United States. So they tried to surrender in December of 2001. Man, that's Mm. that's pretty quick. Could have saved a lot of lives there. Crawford in 2018 also tallied between 267,000 and 295,000 deaths to that point in Iraq. That's almost certainly a severe undercount, and it includes between a very conservatively estimated 182,000 to 204,000 civilians. Jesus over 41,000 Iraqi soldiers and police and 4,500 U.S. service members. One of the driving, as one of the driving forces... Hang on,
0: read that again, by the way, just so you guys know. That includes... There were 4,500 U.S. service members, which is one too many, or, or, or 4,500 too many.
1: One is too many, and that's yeah, right. 4,500 of them. There
0: were 40, 41,000 Iraqi soldiers and police, hundred and eighty to 204,000 civilians what the hell yeah what the hell
1: as one of the driving forces behind the invasion and the driving force behind the occupation rumsfeld is in an elite category of responsibility for these deaths alongside his protege uh along alongside dick cheney and the president they serve george w bush so back to the uh, i don't
0: think dick cheney was a protege
1: yeah i was he I I don't know how protege would I mean maybe beforehand I feel like he was above him but but I, I think don't, VP I don't know. is higher than S- than Secretary of Defense I think by classifying the U S war in Iraq as an unprovoked this is back on the the Blaze article where they are upset about what that article was saying about Rumsfeld by classifying the U S war in Iraq as an unprovoked war of aggression pushed only by Rumsfeld and a couple others Ackman was able to put the blood primarily on his hand, on his hands alongside. George W. Bush, and Vice President Dick Cheney. I, I do feel like the Iraq War was uh, an unprovoked war of aggression, and uh, I do feel like maybe there was quite a bit of talk about these WMDs that ended up not ever being found. So I haven't found them. Now, my defense, when I was a... They right- didn't
0: have big enough metal
1: detectors. When I was a right-wing <laughs> extremist, war-mongering hawk or whatever... When I was mm-hmm. that, I used to make the excuse that well, we waited too long to go in, so they were able to hide all of them. <laughs> that's what I used to tell myself. Yeah. I was like, well, they didn't find them, but that's because they waited too long to they go look for them. They got rid; they were able to hide them in the basement before we went over there and invaded their country. So, I, or they just buried them deep down and never brought them up again. So yeah, just never, never brought it up again. <laughs> And so, when someone like this dies, and you're talking just between those numbers, and like they mentioned, it was it was probably a lot higher than that. Those are just confirmed numbers. Uh, that's over 400,000 people right there. And so, why do you have to be nice? That's what that's what I want to know. As Joe,
0: Joe says, they didn't find them because they had made in USA
1: yeah, on them. <laughs> like, oh no way, these are our WMDs. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's not our. That's not For- theirs. I, I
0: must I misplaced these and I've just forgot that they were here. <laughs> yeah, it's just what a, what typical old men do, you know. Men in general misplace things.
1: So, as people who are always talking about tyranny and terrible things uh, that the government does, I feel like when someone who was part of those terrible things that the government did dies, you need to continue to lay it on. In my opinion, it needs to be laid on, and that person. You don't have to just say nice things about the person because they're dead in the same way that any other... Even if you're against death like if, we are. If you consider that murder, everything that he did, those people, if you consider that murder to take people's lives, you know, against their will and to kill them, if you were to consider that, if you'll pardon me, if you'll consider that murder... If you'll excuse me. So when a murderer dies, when a serial killer dies or something like that, I don't think you're like, wow, well, I mean, but he... Look at all those years he dedicated his life to public service. You know, look at him. Look at John Wayne Gacy. Uh, he did a great. He did a great job taking care of his uh, constituents in Chicago or, or wherever the heck he was. I mean, he he really he really did a lot of good work for the community. Mm-hmm. It was just okay. He, he killed those people, and I get it. Okay, but look at the work he put in for his community. You know, it's it's like with that guy you're arguing
0: with on Twitter. He goes. Aside from putting Japanese in internment camps, FDR was the greatest president ever. Yeah. Aside from these awful, terrible, inhumane things that he did. What a, what a great man. What an honorable man that we should look up to. And Rumsfeld being the the lifelong public (laughs) servant that he was dying with a net worth of $25 million (laughs) from his long service to the public. You know, Jeffrey
1: just... Dahmer was an excellent cook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hear he was a decent friend in high school.
0: Yeah. You know, people seemed to they didn't know that that was going to happen. You know, he seemed like an all right person in high
1: school. and Bill Cosby dies, let's only talk about the Cosby show. <laughs> that's, Tom that's just it. Tom just, Tom just, just really talk it. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. Look at all the time he put in making people laugh, you know? Okay. So anyway, that that's just if you have any more thoughts on that, you let me know, but And if you think that it's not libertarian to talk this way about people after they die, then send me an email, charlie at (laughs) goodmorningliberty.us. And let me know. Send an email to nick at (laughs) goodmorningliberty.us. I
0: actually kind of like this writer. I mean, look at this. This is this last paragraph. He says, how frail was this man who can lay claim to the deaths of at least 415,000 people and how bitter it is that unlike them, his name will be remembered even in infamy.
1: Mm. that's poetic
0: right there that's that's poetic justice (laughs) if i've ever if i've ever smelled it before
1: okay the next story is one we've talked about a little bit before but they need their budget more than doubled charlie because that's not enough (laughs) it's just not Not enough enough. right now not enough
0: this coming from the daily mail i'm surprised it's coming from the daily mail Mm. wow san francisco what's that what's san francisco known for
1: uh expensive tents (laughs) <laughs>
0: it's, yeah it's pain oh i was i now i know where that's from that's from mm-hmm. the opening of uh uh what's that comedian's name
1: that's a norm mcdonald joke norm mcdonald that's yeah. the op-
0: that's the opening of his uh norm mcdonald me doing stand-up what's san francisco known for oh i know <laughs> san francisco is paying sixty thousand dollars per tent for a homeless
1: encampment per tent That's, that's a freaking nice tent. I'll tell you what. And somebody mentioned this
0: earlier. These must be two story tents. Pretty nice. Yeah. With a two car garage or a two, (laughs) a two bike garage. San Francisco's homelessness department is seeking $20 million in additional funding to extend an encampment program that already funds tents that cover that cost over $60,000 a year. Hmm. The city's six encampment sites provides tents for the homeless, as well as three meals a day, around-the-clock security, and bathrooms and showers, the San Francisco Chronicle reported. The city created the sites in May 2020 during the height of the pandemic as a way to keep the city's homeless population off of crowded sidewalks and shelters and into socially distanced camping sites and fresh air. The program currently costs $18.2 million and funds 260 tents... (laughs) Two hundred sixty tents and six sites, totaling to just over sixty thousand dollars per tent per year, which is twice the median cost of an apartment in the city.
1: <laughs> it's expensive. It's twice li- the median cost. Yeah, and of it's an apartment. Expensive to
0: live in San Francisco. Mm-hmm.
1: I found an apartment earlier because I knew we'd talk about this. I yeah. found an apartment, a one bedroom, small apartment. You know. A, probably like four or 500 square, it's a studio apartment. Uh, but 1350 a month for the apartment. By the way, it's got its own bathrooms and showers, you know, so yeah. you don't have to provide those separately. It has its own security because you live in the community and there are police in the <laughs> in the community. And uh, honestly, the apartment complex probably has some security too. And so this is, all right, I'm sorry, I'll let you keep going. No,
0: you're fine, I just... I I'm just baffled when I read these things like this can't be real. Like this is a fiction. This is, I wrote it in my diary. The daily mail told a joke today that they were paying $60,000 per tent. That's what I think this is. The department is now asking the city for $15 million in the upcoming fiscal year for a similar number of tents. Which amount to about fifty-seven thousand dollars per tent per year. Ah, the Chronical trimming costs—they're going down a little 57K. bit. Fifty-seven k—the eye-popping costs of the tents and the city's desire to extend a program that was supposed to be a short-term solution. Nothing so permanent. It's supposed to those be short-term solutions <laughs> to the pandemic has been met with criticism. Mm. Well, obviously, these people just hate the homeless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gigi Whitley, the homeless department's deputy director and administration of, and finance, should be ashamed of him or herself, whoever this is, pointed out that most of the funds actually go towards security meals and the rented shower and bathroom facilities. Um, I wonder who got the security contract. But supervisors at Wednesday meeting said the high costs must be reexamined. Quote, it is a big deal to have showers and bathrooms, and I don't dispute that, Supervisor Hilly Ronan said, but the costs just don't make no sense.
1: It, it doesn't. You said ma- these colors don't run
0: remember how this they
1: can make those tiny homes for like $700 a piece or yeah, something like that. That they banned. Yeah. That they, uh,
0: the entirety of the tent program is funded through proposition C a 2018 business tax measure that collects money for homeless services. San Francisco is expected to spend over $1 billion on homelessness over the next two years due to proposition C. And
1: that's taken from business taxes. Mm-hmm it would be cheaper for some of those businesses to just chip in to buy apartments for these people.
0: It would. When the safe sleeping villages were originally erected, that's what they call them safe sleeping villages.
1: Well, they pitched a lot of tents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Officials stressed that the sites were not a permanent solution to the city's persistent <laughs> issues with the homeless population. Mm. I, when are we ever going to learn? When? I don't think we will. The city, when these sites were proposed, the city was persistent. Or I'm sorry, the the when the when these were proposed, the officials stressed. They stressed, by the way,
1: that these sites were not a permanent solution. And they, and might, everybody believed them. They might not. I don't. You know, I don't know if they're going to go to uh, infinity. You know, forever. If they're going to go if they're just going to have these tents for forever, but what do you classify as permanent? You know, How long are you supposed to keep the tent city going? Apparently now they want to do it for another two years at least uh, because they just can't find 260 apartments to rent for people that would be much cheaper. I did a, a lot of the math on it earlier, and if you, if you got a, a cheap apartment, remember they said that this was double the median cost of an apartment. It, what would the low cost be? Because remember, you're comparing this to a tent. Okay. So what would the lowest cost of an apartment be? Sixty thousand
0: dollars a year. That's five grand a month.
1: That's that's a uh, that's quite a quite a bit. Now you can actually get an apartment. A uh, now listen, it's a small apartment. Okay. But you're comparing it to a tent. Remember that. Okay. That's a small apartment you can get for thirteen hundred bucks. Uh, you could put money towards uh, food for people and some. Uh, in some buffet fashion where you're probably not going to pay more than 10 or 15 uh, bucks a day for people to eat and uh, assuming that you're not going to be cooking super nice meals or whatever and, and you're going to only end up paying uh, like what Charlie was just saying uh, I mean that's 5000 a year or 5000 a month for for these tents right now and you could end up paying what i mean $1, 15 1600 if you got someone an actual apartment with walls and a door and a bathroom, and a shower that has a police system that, uh, that is doing security for it. I mean, this is what the government does with your money, by the way. This is why you can't give them your money. They take it, and they do a tent city that costs $60,000 per tent, and they're taking it from businesses, business tax, to pay for this.
0: I have no fear, though, Nate, because very end here, the city... Mm-hmm. We'll continue to work on long-term safe solutions for those experiencing homelessness. Okay. And we have to express our heartfelt gratitude for the hard work that these men and women in San Francisco, Yeah, what they are doing. It's imp- I could never make such a decision. I would not have it in me to be so warm. Just it's, And we, we, have to, we have to give it to these wonderful, benevolent leaders.
1: Just think about the sacrifices sacrifices they're making with they other, are. with other people's money.
0: These public servants are serving the public, and it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. Really, a tough job. I mean, if I was approached with a problem and was like, "Hey, we need you to build a tent city, and it can only cost you know five hundred dollars, thousand dollars per tent," I'd be like, "Well, I can't do it for less. I can't do that for less than sixty
1: thousand per tent." <laughs> I can't. Clay says Jeff Bezos could pay for all their tents if he just paid his taxes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's true. You could get some God. real nice tents with some of that Bezos money.
0: You just you have to wonder how this happens. You know we're so we're building a house in this community. I was talking to Stephanie. Oh, another personal story here, you guys. Mm, here you go. Yeah, I was talking to Stephanie last night, and um, she was talking about the cost of the HOA, and she was like, you know that's, you know, this much money a month for all these houses. And like, what are they doing with that money? And I was like, I don't know, but we're about to find out. (laughs) You'll get a statement. Because I I guarantee you, I'm going to be on that board.
1: (laughs) I get a statement from it. I I went to a couple HOA meetings and there were a bunch of board openings and I thought about it for for a minute. Oh, I'm doing it. And then I realized that I just, I did not want to deal with that. 100%. Whatsoever. Um, I will put
0: all the budget line items on online.
1: As long as your HOA... I will
0: create a portal.
1: If they do a good job, and obviously you're making the choice to uh, move into a neighborhood that has an HOA, so there's, there's a choice involved there. You could move somewhere that didn't have one. But that's as long, true. as long as the HOA does a good job with what they're supposed to do, which their job is to keep everyone's property values higher, and that's, that's what an HOA is for, mm-hmm. is to keep everyone's property values higher. As long as they do their job, then it's probably going to be worth what, what little bit of money you're, you're paying them every single month, if they do the job. In the long run. In the long run, more than likely. But it, it is an annoyance. But just imagine the government's like, oh, we got these people, and we have $20 million. By the way, you could build an, an apartment complex for that amount of money, <laughs> okay? Because I looked it up. With just 256 so you know. rooms? With, uh, with about 300 and something. Apartments. You could build an apartment complex. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the government. They're like, oh, we got this money. You know? What are we gonna do? Well, we have to spend it all. We need people to be sheltered somehow. What are we gonna do? We can spend about sixty thousand dollars per person. Oh, I know. A p- content. That's what we'll do. We'll make the most glorious tent city <laughs> you've ever seen. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. <laughs>
0: They could build, you know, like racks, like they have in the military over the Middle East. You know, just build the bunks.
1: If you guys can imagine for this, tomorrow, this one didn't look, make it in the dumb bleep of the week.
0: This is also a, such a great insight into how much change that we can actually do at the local level. Could you imagine if you had some liberty people on city in the city council of San Francisco, mm-hmm. or whoever directs all this junk? Right? Could you imagine if we could get some liberty-minded people? in these local communities that are ex- not only exposing this stuff, but getting the people who vote for this kind of crap out of office and getting people who, who care about Liberty, you know, again, and I was talking about this the other day, we, we, you and I have been having this conversation, but I think it's relevant to everything else. We were, we were talking about, you know, compromising your beliefs. And I was saying like, it, if, if it ends up in the situation where I have to sign something or whatever that I, that I don't believe in, where I have to compromise who I am for a paycheck, like I'm not doing it. I won't do it because if I if I can be corrupted at this level, then oh well, Lord knows what I could what level I could be corrupted at if I ever make it to office or anything like that. Like it, it matters to be true to to yourself and who you are and to your principles, and then also to find those types of people. And we should back them in, in local places that, that, we can inv- that we can invoke real change. And imagine if we could do this across every city in America. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A- and then what would our nation look like? We don't need a libertarian president. We don't need libertarian congressmen or women. We, we need liberty-minded people at the local levels to, for this kind of garbage to never happen again. It, not only did it go through, but now they're asking for more money. Double, double.
1: What they're Almost using double. right now. Well, their current budget is eighteen point five million, and now 60, they want twenty 000, million.
0: Sixty thousand per tent to um one hundred and fourteen thousand per tent because they want to add some tents, Nate.
1: Oh, they want to add. They're going to add a few
0: tents. So
1: well, they said it will come down to fifty-seven thousand <sighs> per tent. So they're going to add more but if you tents. Double that. So. If you double yeah, that, they'll double 100%. the amount of tents too gotcha. you know, so, so it's, they're, they're trimming costs, you know, that's what they're doing. Hey, I'm, they trim 5% of the tent cost We with should be this proud. Budget. We should yeah. be proud. Shouldn't we? That's a pretty good deal. Okay. Going a little bit more along the lines of how the government costs everyone needless amounts of money. Brad Palumbo over at fee without a great article yesterday, I believe talking about the hidden costs of federal regulations. And if you're not listening to Brad Palumbo's podcast, Breaking Boundaries, I recommend you go do that. But it is called Households Face Up to $14,000 in Hidden Federal Taxes Every Year. Okay, now how is it hidden? What way would that be? Most Americans pay close attention to how much of their money is taken in taxes each year. But there's another, less obvious way the federal government imposes financial costs on citizens. According to a new report, it amounts to trillions. Annually, the fiscally conservative Competitive Enterprise Institute, CEI, just released its annual10,000 Commandments report, which documents the size, scope and costs of federal regulations, and how they affect American consumers, businesses and the. US. economy at large. Clyde Wayne, who's the report author, <laughs> Clyde Wayne Cruz, explains how we face a hidden tax from the economic burden of our massive regulatory state. Yes, that's right. They impose costs on us other than taxes, okay? After all, tens of thousands of new regulations are imposed every year. Mm. Tens of thousands of new regulations are imposed every year. How are we supposed to keep up with that, man? You can't. The report estimates the economic cost of federal re- regulation at an astounding $1.9 trillion annually. $1.9 trillion. $2 trillion annually. every year. Annually. To put that... Abstract sum in context, it's nearly as much as the federal government collects in income and corporate taxes in a year. In a country that produced $1.9 trillion in output would be the eighth largest economy in the world, excluding the U.S. $1.9 trillion is more in economic output than Brazil or Italy produce in an entire calendar year. CEI report explains that if we assume the costs all ultimately fall on consumers, then it equates to up to fourteen thousand three hundred sixty-eight in annual costs per U.S. household. This is a huge hit to the wallet. Fourteen K in annual regulatory costs amounts to roughly twenty-three percent of the average household spending budget. I mean, it's not enough to buy you a tent, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> It's more than the typical household spends on food, transportation, health co- care, or anything except for housing. So why is it that we end up paying this? Why does it cost us this money? Because when you impose these regulations on these businesses and you make everything, and I'm ta- you're talking about every step of the way. This is a very hard thing to actually come up with the numbers on, but I'm glad that there are people that spend all their time doing this. But <clears throat> you're talking about building a house whatever it is, you got to get some, you got to get some wood to build your house. Okay. You got to make sure that the foundation is going to be good. Imagine all the steps of regulations that go into that. How many regulatory burdens there are during that? And you need to get the wood and then you need to build that and you need to have people come out and check that. The wood, how did they get the wood? You know, what processes did the businesses go through to do all that? What regulations did they have to face? Your, regula- your regulations all the way down to Department of Transportation fees on on gas and all of that to transport everything there's not a single you can't look around and see anything that's not part of the earth that didn't arrive to you on a truck so all, so all of that matters okay and so eventually all of this adds sometimes they even the put the
0: regulation cost on your ticket like an which, airplane which they should they just they just show what the cost is to them and that they pass directly on to you and you wonder why healthcare is so expensive yeah it's the number one driver of healthcare expense is mm-hmm. all the regulations.
1: It's the number two most regulated industry to the banking system, I believe. Yes, and and so yeah, these regulations cost us a lot of money. And what do you think the companies are just going to eat that cost and be like, well, we can charge, <clears throat> we can, uh, we can charge five hundred for this. This is going to cost us five hundred with everything, and we don't want to charge more than this, so uh, we'll just we'll just take the hit on it. That's what we're going to do like, no, we want to have a certain profit margin, so we're going to look at what all of our costs were, and we want to have a a specific profit margin, because some things we do we might lose money on, so you want to have a good risk-to-reward ratio Mm -hmm. on the things that you do as a business, and so we're going to take this profit margin, and whatever the costs are, well, people are going to pay X amount on top of that, whatever the percentage is, and so, yeah, it ends up costing you, and it doesn't show up in the form of taxes on your paycheck or a, a check that you have to write and send in every single year. But it does cost you, mm-hmm. and that these uh the alphabet agencies we need to pay attention to what they're doing. Okay, all the alphabet people out there are costing us more money.
0: It's insanity.
1: We we got to get rid of them regulations. We got to cut the red tape. <laughs> if would, you know what I mean. I
0: would say that is <clears throat> one decent thing Trump did. I guess cut some he, regulations. He, he I was think. on a regulation tear. Mm-hmm. Although where every one was, what, he, t- he took away seven for every one that was added, or five is what it ended up being, to, or something like that?
1: Yeah, and to be skeptical, you can assume that a lot of those probably weren't valid anymore. Uh, you know, you delete a bunch of old regulations that don't really matter anymore, yeah. And but uh, he did deregulate. I think, overall, from the last stuff I read, he actually had a, a, a net impact in the deregulatory mm-hmm. side of things, but I could be totally wrong on that. Someone yeah. let me know. Who That's knows? Good. That's not from Brad's article. That's just me talking mm. right now. All right. The next one up here is <clears> from <throat> Reason.
0: A Florida social media bill was supposed to protect free speech. A judge says it violates the First Amendment. <clears throat> I think we mentioned this, didn't we?
1: They did, that, um, They just did this. So We talked about the bill. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the bill. <clears throat> yeah. So
0: First Amendment protects right of social media companies. Uh, First Amendment protects right of social media companies to boot politicians. Florida's controversial and authoritarian new social media law has been temporarily blocked by a federal court. The measure, championed and signed into law by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in May, bans large social media providers from deplatforming political candidates beginning July 1, which we said this is a terrible idea. As much as we hate the platforms for silencing people, it's their platform it also prohibits social media providers from suppressing or prioritizing any information posted by or about a user who is a candidate for political office and from suppressing or adding addendums to posts by a journalistic enterprise based on the outlet's content. Those that violate this directive would face fines of up to $250,000 per day. Woo. Though some of Florida's favorite companies like Disney are exempt from the law. Huh? Imagine that.
1: How about that? They or must've how,
0: helped write the law. Hmm. On Wednesday, Judge Robert L. Hinkle of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida ruled that the law violated the First Amendment. Florida's assertion that it is on the side of the First Amendment is perhaps a nice soundbite, wrote Hinkle. But the assertion is wholly at odds with accepted constitutional principles. The legislation compels providers to host speech and violates their standards, speech they otherwise would not host, and forbids providers from speaking as they otherwise would. Moreover, the governor's signing statement and numerous remarks of legislators show rather clearly that the legis- legislation is viewpoint based, which I think the judge could leave that kind of stuff out. Mm-hmm. Of. Like who cares what he, what he said about mm-hmm. it. The judge granted a preliminary injunction against the law and ordered the state to take no steps to enforce the portions of the law that violate the first amendment or are preempted by section Two Thirty. balancing the exchange of ideas among private speakers is not a legitimate governmental interest concluded Hinkle. So
1: I think that's good. I think that that is, you knew it was going to happen. I think that's a win in my opinion. Like you said, though, I don't like what the social media companies are doing, but we've talked about this a lot, um, that it is, it is their company. And regardless of whether or not I like what they're doing, I can't come up with a, a reason that I would want the federal government to step in and tell those companies what they can and can't do when it comes to hosting or not hosting certain things. On their property. So that I think that this could be chalked up as a, as a Liberty win, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
0: And if you want an alternative, there's, there are alternatives popping up now, which mm-hmm. is great. You already have Gab and, and Parler, <clears throat> and I believe there's a
1: new one. Yeah, it's uh, called um, Getter. Getter. G-E-T-T-R, and uh, Politico posted about it today. They said Team Trump came up with it now it's it's trump's former spokesperson who apparently is behind this app and they had they mentioned that they didn't know if trump had anything to do with it Uh, but it does look like a pretty cool app i've already had an issue creating a profile on it and i got an email response back from them they said they had so many people signing up that they were having uh an issue getting everyone signed up so server overload and that that's the same thing you know with uh with Gab when everything happened with uh w- with all the social media right Parler. after the yeah um with Gab couldn't get it to work you know just wouldn't load anything and Parlor's app was pretty terrible too mm-hmm. as far as I could tell but from what I can tell so far uh it looks pretty good and we're going to make a profile on it get her GETTR get mm-hmm. her get her done so we're going to get her done man let me tell you what it's going to be awesome <laughs> it's going to be great so That's actually, I think, a good point to end it because I have something I have to go do. So Mm. I think that we need to stop. Yeah. Right now. Don't want to make the wife upset. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) See you later. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Love you. Okay. Bye. No, we're not actually going to end it. All right. If you guys enjoyed
0: today's show, then please share it around. You know, get on the old megaphone and just blast it out there. Share it with your friends, your family, your children and aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers sisters mothers and marys and if you guys uh do that and visit patreon.com slash good liberty leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or anywhere that you can i think you still can on facebook If you guys do all of those things we'll be back again tomorrow for some dumb bleep i hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty